And I always say rejection doesn't mean never, it just means not right now. And I can't tell you how many things I've done that are really cool and successful that have started with rejection. Hello and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and on the podcast this week is Lauren Berger. And Lauren is a career management expert, the CEO and founder of Intern Queen and the brand new career queen. And she's also a best-selling author. And Lauren really joins me to talk about her entrepreneurial journey with Intern Queen, but we really do a deep dive into her new book, Get It Together, Ditch the Chaos, Do the Work, and Design Your Success. And I am so excited for you guys to hear what inspired this book, and it has a lot to do with getting out of the busy trap, and I know so many of us me included, are really stuck in this cycle of being busy. And so we talk a lot about that and just the importance of setting boundaries. And Lauren shares with us the one thing that she did that has really helped her to become more present. And we chat about coping with failure and rejection and sticking to the script and how to stop getting ready to get ready. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear what that's all about. And Lauren also shares with us her top tips for setting goals and knowing our priorities. And I think the timing for this conversation just could not be more perfect. So before we jump into this week's new episode with Lauren, I want to share with you guys the iTunes review of the week. And this week it comes from Krabby Abs and it says, can't get enough. I've never been so grateful that I started following an account for an Instagram giveaway. I love this podcast and listen anytime that I can to catch up. Sydney's voice is soothing and the episode topics are those that you think about but have a hard time actually having those conversations. She seems like the most caring friend who lifts up her friends and now through her podcast, everyone. Highly recommend joining the ride. Okay, Abby, I am... First of all, so grateful for this review. Thank you so much. And second of all, I'm so happy that you have joined the ride. I'm so happy that you're part of this community and that you're listening and tuning in. And I'm so grateful. I need a new word, but grateful and just really sums it up for me. And guys, if you've been enjoying this podcast, I would be so grateful. I need a new word. If you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Ratings and reviews really help us get seen by new people and also shows people what Seek the Joy podcast is all about. So if you do leave us a rating and review, Make sure to take a screenshot of that review and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. I will send you our guide for infusing more joy into your life and some Seek the Joy podcast stickers and honestly just a huge virtual hug. And it's also a great way for us to connect outside of the podcast. All right, guys, that's it. I can't wait to hear and see what you think about this week's new episode and all of the tips and tricks and helpful advice that Lauren shares. And make sure to join the conversation on our social media pages. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. I'd love to talk with you about this week's new episode. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Lauren Berger. Turn Queen and begin because I know that's really, you know, what you're best known for. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so I started Intern Queen, uh, senior year of college, really. I bought the web domain. I felt like I'd had a ton of great internships, but um, there were not enough resources out there for young people in terms of educating them on how to get internships and how to make the most of them. So I felt like a place was needed. And that's when Intern Queen launched. Um, Intern Queen was and still is a great place to find and actually apply for internships. And then also a place where students can read advice. So I cover everything internship related, the cover letter, the interview process. And then we also have a very popular YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intern queen. And um, that's where, uh, you know, we also give a lot of great advice. So that's kind of where this all started. Yeah. And so was Intern Queen really your first venture into this, you know, whole entrepreneurial world? Absolutely. Um, I started in Queen's senior year of college. Um, I didn't have the money to fund a business idea. So I moved across the country. I'm originally from Florida. I moved to California. I got a job in the talent um, industry, which is what I thought I wanted to do. So I was working at a talent agency for two years, but I could not, like you always hear entrepreneurs say this, (laughs) that I could not get rid of this intern queen idea. So after two years, I said, mom, dad, I'm going to take my $5,000 of savings, quit my job, and I'm going to be the intern queen now. I love that. It's almost like you have this real pull, right? Like this pull towards what you know you want to do and what you should do. And it's really hard to ignore that calling, you know, when it happens. It is, it is. And it's really scary. And I think today it's probably a little bit easier than it was, you know, almost 10 years ago, because today entrepreneurship is such, it's such a thing, you know, it's a real career path. Whereas back then, you know, you didn't really hear about people starting their own businesses. So it wasn't necessarily more of a risk then than it is now, but it just felt like that because it didn't have the support behind it that entrepreneurship does today. Yeah, I think it's amazing just the evolution that we've taken, I think, as a society and a culture and what's even shared, you know, through social media. And I think that's why what you've put together and what you share and what you've developed with Intern Queen and now Career is so valuable because it does show people those examples of what's possible and the different ways and the different directions, you know, that you can really take your career. Right, right. I mean, today people graduate college and know that they're going to be bloggers and fashion bloggers and Instagrammers and influencers. And that really wasn't a thing when I started Intern Queen. So in a way, I think that um, the popularity of entrepreneurship has made it like less lonely in a way. I feel like there was definitely a a place and maybe it was like 2010, 2012, where entrepreneurship felt a little bit lonely. Like all of my friends had, you know, nine to five jobs. And here I was like having my own parade every day with like nobody to march in it. (laughs) And um, I feel like that's an interesting analogy I just made. No, I love it. um, It's so perfect though. You know, today it's different. Like if I go to a party, I'm going to meet, you know, just like people, 30s. So if I meet other people in their 30s, like there's a pretty good chance that I'm going to meet at least a handful of other people who have also kind of created their own path. Whereas like 10 years ago, that almost never happened. I was always like the oddball in the room that did her own thing. So I think in a way, like entrepreneurship has become less lonely um, because so many of us are are kind of climbing that same uphill battle every day. Yeah, that's 
a really good point just about it has become really less lonely. So when you were starting out and you were like this one person marching in your own parade, and I love that analogy, I think it's perfect. How was that navigating that? I mean, were there a lot of highs or a lot of lows or what what was that experience like? Great question. I mean, I think to describe it, I was a hot mess. Um, (laughs) And so my my new book, it's called Get It Together, Ditch the Chaos, Do the Work, Design Your Success. And it, it's just all about this this longing that I think all of us have to get it together. We all feel like we're pushed and pulled in so many different directions these days. And we're just longing for a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction at the end of the day. But instead, oftentimes we just feel like, you know, we're not good enough or we're not, you know, we're not as good as the people on Instagram or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? So it's a really interesting book in that it just provides a lot of tangible life hacks to make you feel like you have it more together and to hopefully live just um, a little bit better than maybe you are right now. But um, anyways, in I think it's chapter two of the book, I have a whole section on routine and um, just the importance of incorporating that routine. And I talk about how at the beginning of running my business, I just had no routine. Like yeah. I couldn't wake up on my own. I was in a studio apartment. You know, my inter- Turn Queen headquarters was my pub table in the corner. Hmm. And it was just really hard to get up, to focus and to like get into, get into the zone. Yeah. I think that's still something that's so much struggle with. I think especially if you do work from home or if you have the ability to set your own schedule is that ability to get into that routine. And so what are some tools or things that you've relied on to help you, you know, get into that routine? And I imagine, you know, stick with it, right? All these years later. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of tools that help, you know, for me, it's like my Microsoft Outlook is everything, mm-hmm. and, you know, using my calendar and things like that. But I think, you know, Google Docs, just share, you know, documents and schedules and calendars and all of that. There's apps that I use. But I think more than that, it's really just coming to a kind of like having that like come to Jesus per se <laughs> moment with yourself where you're like, I'm going to do this better. And, you know, not everyone has to get up at six in the morning or whatever time works for you is fine. But like, you're just going to figure out a schedule and you're going to stick to it. And so for me, you know, I decided a few years back that my quote unquote business hours were going to be 830 to 430. And I started a little bit earlier than most people in LA. I feel like don't go to work until 10 a.m. But the reason I started earlier is because I do so much business on the East Coast. So that's kind of like the parameters I set up. And of course, look, I'm an entrepreneur. I have to work before work. I have to work after work sometimes. Um, But that's kind of like my regimented schedule. Um, A lot of people don't come up with those quote unquote hours until they have employees. And I encourage you to come up with that when it's just you, because if you don't follow it, how are you going to get other people to follow it? And like it does trickle down. So I think it's all about like having that realization with yourself that like there has to be a better way and you're going to pick the hours and you're going to get in control of your schedule. Your schedule isn't going to control you. I think that's a really good point is just not allowing the schedule to control you, but at the same time, finding that balance that allows you to have that structure and create that structure. And then you can share it, you know, when you eventually do have people that work for you. And so I really want to dive into your book, Get It Together, because I'm so excited about it. And I think it really applies to, you know, every aspect of our lives. It doesn't have to just be business or career. It's also personal. I mean, this concept of getting it together is so important. I think so many of us are trying to do that. What really inspired the book? 
Um, I was really tired of personally making the same mistakes <laughs> over and over um, and like not learning from them. And I was tired of ignoring myself and what I knew I needed. And then also just tired of being stuck in the busy trap, which yeah. is, you know, at all of my friends and family and you know, people I know and even people I don't know, just telling me how busy they were all the time. And the effect that that was having on me, whether it was right or wrong, was that I was feeling insecure and asking myself, am I busy enough? And I think we as a society have translated the word busy to mean successful. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't. And that's, I think it's like a hard concept for all of us, even myself sometimes to understand is that you can have a day, you don't have any calls or meetings, and that doesn't make you any less successful. But for some reason, we've translated a packed calendar into being like the most important person in the world. And that's not always the case, or it's, it's not the case. <laughs> so yeah, um, that's kind of what inspired me to write the book. I love what you just mentioned about that busy trap because it's something that I get stuck in and I know my friends get stuck in and people that listen to this podcast get stuck in. It's like you feel almost unfulfilled or like you're not showing up the way that you're supposed to and whatever quote unquote supposed to looks like. You know, if you're not busy, if your schedule isn't jammed, if you aren't overwhelmed. And so how have you learned to be okay with not being busy? <laughs> I think in some ways I'm still learning how to be okay with not being busy. Yeah. But I think it's a matter of, again, knowing yourself and, and kind of watching where you thrive and where you don't. So I'll give you two examples, if I remember them as I'm talking. <laughs> so one is um, I used to be the person that I travel probably every two weeks, if not more than that, for business um, or for my personal life that I try to have and then end up working anyways. So... <laughs> Um, but you know, whenever I'm traveling, I used to be the person that was traveling or if I wasn't traveling, I'd have calls booked all day. If I had meetings in New York city, I would do calls in the cab on the way there, you know, just like packed and packed and packed. And, yeah. oh, I have to pick up a friend from the airport up. Oh, I'm going to do two calls there and two calls on the way back with her in the car. Like that was my mentality. It was mm -hmm. like the more, the better, just like cram it in. Like I'm a superhero. I can do it all at once. And I think that what that created was like a, a lot of unsafe situations in the car. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't need to be like on a business call while entering a freaking California. Right? right. So true. And it just created a lot of like personal stress. And I think, you know, I would have these phone calls that were really great calls, but then I would totally flake on the follow-up because I would be like walking into the next thing. And then at the end of the day, you're like, wait, I don't even remember what I spoke about this morning on the phone to whoever, yeah. you know, the person was. So I think I was just not, focus on the phone calls. And because of that, I don't think the person was getting the best out of me. And I just wasn't able to like present my business in the best way. So I think that it took, and I have to remind myself of that. I'm literally traveling tomorrow night on a red eye. And mm -hmm. I have to tell myself that like gaps in my schedule are okay. And taking time to breathe is a good thing. Um, I had a speaking engagement last week and I had to drive like an hour in the middle of upstate New York to a school and I didn't have any calls. And it was mm -hmm. so nice to actually take a deep breath, look outside. I looked at the fall leaves. They were beautiful and songs on and yeah. you know I should be able to do that like it's my job is cool and I I forget that because I don't think I give myself any time to reflect on it ever or to just kind of you know be kind of free in my own thoughts yeah. so um 
So yeah, so that's one example. And then the other thing, which is a little bit off topic, but I recently um, took my work email off my phone. Like I could still access it if I wanted to, but I'd yeah. have to like log in through my Safari yeah. browser. Yeah. I can't just press the mail button. And that's been a really interesting exercise. I did it as I just was of like trying to be present in my personal life with friends and family and always like my finger would just like always start scrolling mm. on emails no matter mm -hmm. what and I would see an email that, that would either upset me or like remind me of something I didn't do you know and I found myself being so conflicted while spending time with friends and family and I was like why am I doing you know I spend so much time on emails it's not like I'm not going to get back to the people right. they don't need an instant response I don't need to see this right now and in fact because I'm seeing this I think it's making me a, a bad friend, you know? Yeah, I get that. Um, so, yeah, you know, and it's tricky, especially when I'm traveling, it's tricky because, you know, when you're in the back of a taxi cab, you tend to want to like look at your emails, totally. but I'm, I'm working on it. And, um, you know, it's, I haven't put, it's, I took it off, um, Labor Day and I haven't put it back on yet. So it's been a few months. Wow. So, um, it's, it's a little something that I think is going to go a long way. I think so too. It must've been, or it must still be a really good, kind of exercise in boundaries for yourself too, right? And knowing like where your boundaries are with your work and where they are with your personal life and that, you know, even though you are an entrepreneur, you can still and good for your own like mental well-being, right? Like separate the two and give yourself like, okay, after this time, I'm not going to check that email or I'm with a friend, I won't be on my phone. And I think that must too, you know, eliminate a little bit of that sense of busyness. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also just managing our own expectations with response time and like what's yeah. okay and what's not. So as an example, literally on Sunday morning, um, a friend I hadn't seen in forever sent me an email that said like he wanted to see me and someone else on like these four days, right? That was Sunday morning. I didn't see the email because yeah. I didn't check my email on Sunday because yeah. I've disconnected my email. So this morning at like 6 a.m., I had like an angry text from a friend who was like, I can't believe you didn't respond to his email. And I was like, did I miss it from last week? Like how far behind am I here? And then I saw he sent it at 7am on a Sunday morning. And I'm like, it's, it's been 24 hours, but I think that's what 2018 is. Like there's this expectation for instant communication. And when you haven't instantly communicated, you're easily like marked as bad at your job, you know, like you're not yeah. organized or something like that, right? It's, yeah. it's this assumed behavior. And that, that's not true. In fact, what it is, is that, you know, I was doing other things that I, that I, you know, intentionally chose to do. And I will get back to this person, you know, within one business day, which I think is more than appropriate. Yeah. So I think a little bit of it is like, there's just this mismanaged expectation communication and we need to fight back on that. I think so too. And it's almost like you kind of have to train somebody and as weird as that sounds, but like you have to train them to not expect you to respond right away. So like if you respond right, within you 30, exactly. Own, like, right. Yeah. Like you have to set your own boundaries. And I think that can be hard for so many of us too, you know, when, like you said, we do live in this culture in 2018 where it really is a culture of like instant gratification. Right. And I talked to so many of my friends about this and a lot of them that, you know, maybe they're like, I feel like a lot of my friends have been, you know, working for maybe 10 years now, maybe a little bit 12 years. They're finally starting to get to those, like, they're not at like the top of their business, but they're in those, you know, yeah. more senior level positions, but they still are 
someone. And so they look at what I've done and they're like, well, I could never take my email off my phone. Mm. But I think the reason they feel that way is because it's a pull down effect from the top. Their boss is emailing them again or at night and expecting an immediate response. So I think it's up to those people at the top. You know, it's up to me. It's up to the employers of the world to set that expectation. And I think to say to people like, and this is something I'm, you know, this is all new, but you know, something that I've been doing, um, when I'm hiring is like, are there any, you know, phone free times like, you know, after, like before 830 or after 430 that I should know about, you know, if someone mm-hmm. has, I sat with a friend the other day, she has kids and she was like, if my boss could just avoid emailing me like 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. so I can have those like three hours with my kids, like mm-hmm. all would be well in the world. I will email after 8 p.m. I'll email. She's like, I just want those three hours. It, yeah. The communication really starts from the top and it's employers and people like me that need to start being really respectful of people's personal times and their times for disconnection. And it's not going to come right away. It might not come in the next year or even the next five years. But I do think that people are starting to value their personal time so much that employers are going to start asking questions about, you know, personal and professional boundaries. And they're going to start setting those from day one. It's going to be harder with older employees who have been there forever and who are used to a certain communication style, but with newer employees, I think they're going to be forced to have that boundary set. I mean, I got a text from someone that works for me and she said, please don't text me before 8.30 AM. And that's a fair text. I think so. Yeah. But fair, you know? Yeah. So it really is about having that awareness within yourself, whether you're an employee or an employer and, and really looking at what other people need and having that moment of both self-evaluation, but also then applying that to the people around you and saying like, what do you need? How can I best serve you? Where are your boundaries? Right. And I think all of us as employers are very quick. You know, we always talk about work-life balance and how Mm -hmm. important that is. And then we contradict ourselves by sending an email at 7 p.m. and wanting an immediate response. So I think that like, again, I think it's up to employers and every business is a little bit different, but to take a, you know, a deep, hard look at what you're putting out there and, you know, really ask yourself, like, am I allowing my team the opportunity to disconnect? Because studies are showing that people need that. There's too much stress. There's too much anxiety. Everyone's too wired, too connected. Like, am I allowing people to disconnect? And I know in the past, I've been guilty of not allowing people to disconnect enough. So I think it's important for all of us to ask ourselves that and then to act on it. So as an entrepreneur, as somebody who, you know, has her own business and you do so many things, I mean, you wear so many different hats, are you able to disconnect yourself and give yourself, you know, that quote unquote work-life balance, which I think for so many is really hard. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely, I think I am and I'm, I'm definitely trying and it's funny. I, I really appreciate appreciate like the version of myself that's not the intern queen Mm -hmm. you know I feel like I really appreciate that girl because she's not the same person you know I think with with my business and when you're kind of this like public persona it's hard to have a little bit of an I you have almost like a little bit of an identity crisis there but I think that like I enjoy the person that I am when I'm sitting on the beach talking about nothing or like singing a song or like just doing something stupid you know like something that has nothing to do with work and I think I value that side of myself so much. And I really have tried to make room in my life for like that person to like have more time to breathe because we all get so as the CEO of a small business, I tend to be very in the weeds, Mm -hmm. just meaning like 
I'm still in that place. We're having a lot of growing pains at Intern Queen. So I'm still in that place where I'm uber involved in everything. Things that you wouldn't think I would still be involved with. I'm still involved trying to get out, but like still in. (laughs) And so when you're so involved with everything, like you have to give yourself that opportunity or else you really just kind of burst. And like, you know, I I really have a goal of instead of that, you mentioned earlier, the high highs and low lows. I'm all about like the even keel because, you know, there's going to be days when you wake up and you get an email and you're like, wow, I'm going to be on the Today Show today. Hi, hi. Right. And then there's going to be an email where a client you've been working with forever pulls the plug or an employee that you really like quits or something like that. And if you get too caught up in the high highs and the low lows, you can't like stabilize your own emotions. So I'm really big on just trying to be even keel, like good things happen, bad things happen, mm-hmm. whatever it is, the show will go on. Totally. You know, I really just try to have that mentality. Yeah. I think that's the goal, right? Is that despite what's going on around you, you despite what's happening in the external, you know, you can still sort of maintain this level of, I don't know if it's like peace necessarily, but calm and like an even keel on the inside. And, and I think that's hard, you know, especially when we're so overwhelmed with things that are going on. And so for you, are there things that you've relied on, you know, like maybe it's a mindset tool or a practice, or maybe it's your routine, you know, to really help you try and maintain that sort of even keel balance, you know, sense on the inside? I think it's probably reminding myself, like even, and, and, you know, I think in some ways this sounds a little bit sad, but like, even when a really good thing happens, like, I'm aware that something not so good could be around the corner. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you know, I'm all about like celebrating the small wins. So I don't think you have to take away anything from, from the wins you do get because those are great. But I think it's just taking it all with a grain of salt because when you're in the middle of so many moving parts, right. just different things are bound to happen every day. You know, you control what you control, but then you can't control a lot of it. And so, you know, I think even when something good happens and I'm so excited, I, I just try to like get myself in check and remind myself like, you know, be grateful for the moment, but know that like, we don't know what's happening later tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> um, and the same yeah. thing when something bad happens is like, Hey, you know, this is most likely going to be coupled with something kind of cool. So it, it's doing that. And I think it's just in the book, I talk a lot about the importance of sticking to the script mm-hmm. and like, no matter what life throws at you, whether it's really good or really bad, just trying to stick to your plan for the day. Day. I've been in situations both ways where like something really good happens and I'm so excited that I just don't do any other work, yeah. you know, which is cute, but like <laughs> you don't get your work done. Right. And then I think sometimes like something, I mean, a couple weeks ago, I had a lot of work drama going on and I just, I came home, I had this big plan and I said to my husband, like, I don't want to do anything. I just want to lay on the couch. I'm in such a bad mood. Like I just want to sit here. And he kind of reminded me of my own advice, Hmm. which is stick to the script. And he's like, no, like you're going to sit here. You're going to calm yourself down and you're going to get this stuff done. Like you said, like you're going to stick to the script. And I'm so glad I listened to him because at least at the end of the night, yeah, I was still upset about the drama, but at least I felt accomplished. And like the drama didn't just me from accomplishing my goals. I love that concept of sticking to the script because I can't tell you how many times like either something good or bad will happen, just like you said, and you get distracted, you want to do something else, but then, you know, everything else gets neglected. I think that's such a great point. And I also know in the book, you talk a lot about coping with failure and this concept of failure. And, you know, I know for so many of us, we fear failure, we fear rejection. Um, it becomes, you know, all encompassing and overwhelming. And so we don't enter the game. We don't enter the arena. We don't do the things that we want to do. And so how have you been able to 
enter the arena and go for the dreams that you have and the goals that you have, you know, despite, you know, this possibility of failure? Yeah. So again, probably a couple different things. I think one is again, reminding yourself that you've been with me when I get rejected. It's a matter of reminding myself that I've been here before. (laughs) And like, sometimes you forget, but like uh, the reality is I'm rejected every day. And sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it's not nice. Mm. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes I don't care, you know, but like, regardless rejected. And I really do have to remind myself that I've been here before and that there's more opportunities out there. And this isn't the end all be all, you know? Yeah. 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 So it's about reframing it right in that moment and choosing to look at it differently and knowing it's, you know, it's temporary. Yeah. And I think also knowing that like things come around and like things change and people change their minds. I always say rejection doesn't mean never. It just means not right now. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many things I've done that are really cool and successful that have started with rejection. So, um, you know, I think that's something to think about. And then you gotta, I talk about this in the book too. Like you gotta love yourself at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. I had so many writing this book was really hard because I kept messing up. Mm. I kept, you know, quote unquote, failing (laughs) at getting it together. And here I was writing a book called Get It Together. And I kept having these moments where I was like, who am I to write this book? Like, I don't know how to get it together. Clearly, I just lost my wallet in New York City or whatever it is. I (laughs) talked about that in the book too. But, you know, and I, I felt like every time I would mess up, I would like, yell at myself, like hate myself. And I I finally kind of just had a talk with myself and said, this is enough. You got to give yourself a break. And in fact, as I was experiencing this, I I realized I had to put chapter three in the book, which is the coping with failure section, because if you're trying to get it together and you really feel like me, like you don't have it together, you're certainly not going to get there without a bunch of failure in in the interim. (laughs) So I put that chapter early on in the book so that people would give themselves a break when they, you know, try to do something better and ultimately mess up. Yeah. Cause that messing up is, is part of it. And I've been there too, where there have been profound moments of failure in my life. And then that negative self-talk, that like meanness, like the, like what you were talking about, I mean, it comes out and it comes out with like a vengeance and you're like, Whoa, where did you come from? Like, I thought I handled yeah. you. Like I thought I had right. a, and then you can't get rid of it. You're yeah. like, Oh, this happened four hours ago, but I'm still so mad at myself about it. Yeah. Yeah. So being able to exercise that self-love and that kindness to yourself is totally, it's a journey. And I think it's a process, you know, of like this, like what you were saying, that inner monologue with yourself and like having that moment of like, Hey, like it's okay. Like we can work through this. And I think that's why that chapter and conversations even like this one are so valuable because I think it serves as a reminder that you don't have to have it all together and we're all learning how to get it together and you learn by doing, you know? So it's okay that you lost your wallet, right? In New York City or whatever the case might be because it's part of the learning. Right. Exactly. So I also know in the book, you talk a lot about goals and goal setting and knowing our priorities and For someone like me who has a lot of goals and dreams and, you know, a lot of things that they want to do, I think sometimes it's hard, you know, to prioritize things. And so in your experience, you know, how have you been able to prioritize your goals or action steps or just, you know, things to to allow yourself to keep moving forward, you know, despite having, you know, a lot that you want to do? Yeah, I think one of the, probably one of the best chapters of the book or when I ask people what they like most about the book and people have just started reading, they've been pointing out this goal chapter, yeah. um, which 
you know, I sort of overshare a little bit, I think, in the goals chapter, which is funny. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think my kind of rules with the goal setting are A, you have to know your goals. And if you don't know them and if you can't say them out loud at like the, you know, the flip of a switch, then something's wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, I realized that personally. Um, I was writing this book on getting it together and my book agent in January, we were in New York City and she's like, Lauren, what are your goals? And I, obviously have goals, but I couldn't spit them out. And it really, you know, I was like, talk about like self-hate. I was like upset with myself that I couldn't spit these goals out because, you know, how, if you don't know your goals, who does? Right. So I kind of promised myself like moving forward, I'm going to have three goals because who's going to remember more than three. And yeah, <laughs> you know, they're going to be yearly goals. Maybe I tweak them in the middle of the year, but like three goals that I'm going to start the year with, or you can start them now whenever you want. And these are going to be my goals and I'm going to be able to shout them from the rooftop. So I think that's the first step. And then, you know, I don't, people are planner people, they're notebook people, whatever you're using, just make sure your goals are written down. Um, in the book, you'll see, I have all these examples and charts and things where I'm a notebook person. I love getting new notebooks. The first time I, every time I get a notebook this year, the first three pages are a page is dedicated to each goal and where I am in terms of reaching it. Mm. You know, am I halfway there? Am I not even close? Like what's going on? What do I need to alter? And then like, what are the action steps that I need to do to get there? Do I have to send out 500 emails? Do I have to go to the gym five times a week? Like what do I need to yeah. do to hit these crazy goals? Right. Um, so I'm all about the action step. And I have this, again, whole exercise in the book. I talk a lot about your YQMB being like your yearly goal. And then you break that down into quarterly goals, monthly goals, and then biweekly goals. Mm. I typically don't do weekly goals just because so much can change in a week. I just think that yeah. a week is a really short time to really try to accomplish things. So usually over like a 14-day period is a little bit easier. Yeah. So again, those are some of the tips I use in the book. And there's literally pictures again really embarrassing actually now that I think about it but um <laughs> there's like pictures of like my goals in there and I keep saying like some that I hit and some that I definitely did not hit <laughs> yeah well I don't think there's any there's no such thing I think as oversharing you know when it comes to yeah. your goals I think you know part of goal setting too is being willing to articulate it and put it out there and share it with other people there's almost a bit right, of like exactly. accountability you know within that too right absolutely and kind of like you said like you know some of the goals in there I hit and some of them I didn't and and that's okay and I think once I got to about six months in the year when I realized I wasn't going to hit some of those goals like there were some big revenue goals for my business yeah. you know I tweaked the goal because you want reasonable goals that are like usually it's kind of like buying a house you want a goal that's a, a stretch but not a struggle <laughs> yeah so it sounds like it's really about setting those goals you know breaking it down into smaller pieces and then knowing you know along the way you can reevaluate or you should reevaluate and reassess and tweak along the way because because mm -hmm. life happens, right? Like we, we right. can't control some things most of the time. So, you exactly. know, being flexible within it. Right, exactly. And you kind of fail hard, you know, if it doesn't work, well, you hustled, you did what you could, let's move on. Yeah. And that <laughs> moving on, I think is what's difficult for so many. And I think that's where mm -hmm. that self-love piece comes back into it. You yeah. know, it's like being willing right. to say- it's kind of all this like, it's like we cycle through all the themes. Yeah. Totally. And it kind of takes me too, to this other thing that you talk about in the book, which is stop getting ready to get ready. And so I'd love to hear from you, like, what does that mean? And, and what does it look like, you know, in our lives? Sure. So I'll give you a, a quick example of that. Um, I spoke at Binghamton University a couple weeks ago, and I was speaking to this girl who said she wants to have a fashion blog. And she's been talking about the fashion blog for, you know, a year or so now, and she just hasn't started it 
yada, yada, yada. And my, my feedback to her was like, stop getting ready to get ready. Like stop, stop talking and start doing, Mm -hmm. you know, here you are getting ready (laughs) and just talking about how you've been getting ready for a year while there's nothing else to do. Just start. (laughs) So basically like, and I think we're all guilty of that in our own, you know, with our own projects, there's definitely, I mean, careerqueen.com that we just launched. I've been getting ready to get ready to launch that (laughs) site for like three years. And finally it was like, we just need to launch it. And we weren't even, we weren't even able to launch the entire thing at once. It's going to be a recruitment agency and a blog. We finally just had to start it and it's just a blog and that's fine. But you know, it's like, it's basically a way of saying like, stop talking about, stop talking about it, be about it. Like stop talking and do it. (laughs) And so then that's where those goal setting practices come in, right? So like telling yourself, I got to stop talking about it. I've just got to do it. I've got to hit publish or send or whatever it might look like. And then building off of that. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. I love that concept because I think so many of us can get trapped in this, you know, inner monologue of like, I'll do this when that happens or I'll, you know, apply to that job when I'm in this place in my life or I'll decide, you know, to hit publish on that blog when I, you know, have this certain number of following on my Instagram. And I think it's like, no, if you're excited about it and you want to do it, like go after it because otherwise you can't build that momentum. Exactly. And I also, I have to tell myself this a lot. It sounds a little bit harsh, but I have to tell myself to shut up and work. Uh. Like at some point you just have to stop talking. I mean, I got, when I got my book deal for get it together, I was talking about what it was going to be. I was talking to everybody and I was supposed to start it after Halloween, but now then all of a sudden, cause it was about a year ago, then all of a sudden it was Thanksgiving. Mm. And I finally had to say to myself, like, shut up and just do the work. Cause like, <laughs> you know, we all spend so much time talking about what we want to do, but at some time, yeah. at some point you just have to like put your head down and do the work. Totally. So I have to ask you about joy in your life. How does joy show up in your life? You know, are there certain things that you do to bring you that feeling of joy? I mean, I think for me, joy is friends and family. You know, today is actually my wedding anniversary. I got married two years ago. Congratulations. And it was like, thanks. And it was really the best day ever, the best weekend ever. And the reason why was because I basically got to hold all of my friends and family hostage (laughs) on Clearwater Beach, where that's where I'm from. Yeah. Um, for the wedding weekend. And I told them and I was like, I'm holding you guys hostage and this is my fantasy. So, you know, I think that's obviously like an example of something where it was, you know, bringing me kind of a lot of joy. Yeah. But, um, I think in general for me, it's friends and family. It's I'm going to New York this week for work. And part of what brings me joy is I get to sit and sleep on my brother's couch in New York City and bother him and his wife. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's literally, I think the best times that I have are sitting around doing nothing, ironically, with friends and family. Like, it doesn't have to be an experience or a trip. I do a lot of that stuff. But I think it's like sit around, sitting around, doing nothing and just like hanging out with the people that know me best. And the people that know me, for me, not necessarily for like the work, you know, the people that are going to be friends with me, whether I'm the intern queen or the garbage collector, like they don't care what I do, you know, (laughs) the people that make fun of my Instagram (laughs) person are like, what are you doing? You know, those are the people that like I love and those are the people that bring me joy. Oh, I love that because I think that community around you and those connections and the people that love you, you know, despite how successful you are or how big you failed in any given moment, I mean, they are they are game changers. I love that that is really a huge source of joy for you. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is your biggest dream? 
You know, maybe this goes back to the goals thing. I, I don't know right now. You know, it's kind <laughs> of a weird time in that yeah. I have this business that I've been running now. It'll be 10 years this year. And that's amazing, by the way. 10 years. Thanks. Yeah, that's incredible. Thanks. And, you know, it's going well, but we have a lot of learning and growing to do. Yeah. And we have a lot of, like, changes that we need to make internally so that we're, you know, running like a machine, basically. Yeah. And really just able to scale and, and manage all the work that comes in and to, you know, give it, whether it's, you know, a, a $1 campaign or a $1 million campaign, like, give it, you know, everything we've got. Yeah. So I feel like <laughs> this is another version of me probably being so stuck in the weeds every day that I haven't been able to focus on like the bigger goals, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. feel like a goal of mine is to be able to come back to you with that dream and to say, you know, I think a goal for me is to be able to spend, is to get out of the weeds and the day to day of the business and to yeah. be able to focus more on like the growth and the path. But, um, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll kind of have to see what the future holds. I got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I think future tripping is kind of a blessing and a curse, right? And sometimes it's hard Absolutely. to do, but okay. So I will hold you to that dream. I'm excited to yeah, hear what like it'll it. be. I like it. Lauren, I've really enjoyed connecting with you and having you on Seek the Joy podcast. And thank you so much for sharing just all the yeah. wisdom that really went into get it together. And, and so where can everyone find you and learn more and get their copy? Absolutely. So I think the best place to find us is either online or on Instagram. So internqueen.com or careerqueen.com. Our Instagram handles, there's so many, <laughs> but there's at internqueen, there's at officialcareerqueen. And then if you want to follow me personally, it's at officiallaurenberger. However, I make no, I am not that cool. I always make that disclaimer. So <laughs> um, yeah, and then people um, can get my book anywhere. So at any bookstore or um, on Amazon, it's just called Get It Together by Lauren Berger. Awesome. Thank you, Lauren. I'll put everything in the show notes. It'll be so easy awesome. for everyone to find. And thanks so much again for coming on Seek the Joy podcast. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. interesting because the more I reflect on this concept of getting it together, of get it together, I think it's an ever-evolving journey. And I think it's so important and so helpful to hear from people who have figured out what works for them, whether that's creating a routine or as Lauren said, you know, sticking to the script and, um, you know, getting ahead on your goals or creating a plan for your goals and your dreams and your aspirations. I think you know, hearing from people and hearing what has worked for them, it can really help us to figure out what works for us and what resonates with us. And then of course, you know, what doesn't, what doesn't resonate, what doesn't sit well with you, you know, you don't have to, um, apply, you know, to your own life, but it's really awesome to hear from people who, um, are figuring out what works for them. And like I said, I think it's an ever evolving journey. Um, I don't know, a year ago I was really into having a very strict routine and lately I am, I am not loving the routine life. So it's really, it's interesting, the fluctuations and the ups and downs within that. So in any case, I really enjoyed this week's conversation and I hope you did too. And if you did make sure to join the conversation on our social media pages at seek the joy podcast. I'd love to hear from you. You know, what 
resonated and what did you love about this week's episode and what were your big takeaways and if you would love to support this show if you want to support my work on this show I would be so grateful if you would share the podcast or your favorite episode with a friend or your co-workers or your family or whoever it might be make sure to hit subscribe um, in the Apple podcast app or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts leave us a rating and review you can also support us on patreon I'll include that in the show notes as well and I'm just so grateful. I know I use that word a lot, but I'm just so grateful that you're here and you're part of this really ever-growing community. And I can't believe 2019 is right around the corner. I just honestly can't believe it. Anyway, that's it. That's all I've got this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you, Lauren, again for coming on the podcast. And I will see you guys right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday. Tuesday.